So glad you are here this morning, grateful for you. And again, I just, trust me, Karen and I realize what it is to be able to get around in the morning, get your family uh, organized for coming and spending uh, a full morning here. And we're just honored that you would be here. Um, just real quick, last night we talked about blueprints. Uh, blueprints tell the big picture. It kind of tells structure. It gives instruction within it. But also blueprints don't build anything. But without that blueprint, the, uh, the doing of the actual construction, the actual building is uh, in real trouble, in real trouble. And uh, just being fully transparent with you, uh, from where we were at, even as young parents, before we started getting some direction, we were trying our hardest and we were doing our best, but I think we had really no idea what we were trying to do. And we're not saying that a home becomes this spreadsheet of mechanical movements through the day. And, and we'll clarify some of that. But at the same time, I think what it did <clears throat> was it helped Karen and I as parents to understand that there is an objective, there's a purpose, and we need to work that out. Now, typically what happens is, is you want to come to something like this, and it's kind of like, just give me the steps because we are a steps culture. You know, give me the five steps so that I can follow them and put them in my household. And I'm just going to say it's not that easy. It's just not that easy. It's not that way. And a big part of the reason for that is because God has designed parenting to, as we talked last night, to grow us, right? Uh, to mature us and to develop us and to work through us. And it's a process of working with our children. And if you have more than one, uh, every one of them's completely different. And uh, so embrace the process. Don't look for the formulaic answer. Well, this session, we're hitting on the parenting toolbox. Uh, here, last night, was kind of working on our thinking, getting some things oriented together. Uh, remember Genesis 2.24, there's the leave, then... Then weave, and that kind of leads into a principle of temporary, okay, and that moves into that. We want to be uh, a marriage-centered home. If you're a single parent, you want to be a God-centered home in that, if you will. I mean, both want to be God-centered in that, but you understand what I'm talking about. We don't want to be child-centered home where the child, because here's the deal. We come out of the womb wanting the world to revolve around us. We used to periodically, as our kids got a little bit older, we would say, okay, Axis, and they knew what we were talking about, and they would say it to us sometimes. In other words, everything's revolving around you right now, isn't it? And uh, we don't want to have that. We want to help them understand that they live in a world that is not all about them. By the way, do you feel like you're still learning that as well? I I do. Uh, you know, time and things and problems and situations should revolve around my comfort in the way that I think they should happen. Things should happen the way I think they should happen in the time that I think they, they should happen in. And uh, yeah, we get it. We get it uh, in that. And the goal of parenting, we want to raise our children equipped to leave home, uh, to leave home equipped to see and handle life biblically. Then it's their choice then it's their choice in that. And again, I will tell you, for some parents, that thing of living with this sense of guilt, you need to understand God is sovereign. And even if you look back like we do, and we look back at some times and it was like, we did a horrible job right there. We did a terrible job. We didn't even know what we were doing. Bless our hearts, we didn't even know what we didn't know. But you need to understand the Lord is sovereign working through in all of that. So today we're about the tools and getting into practical of, uh, of how to with some of these things. So first what, what we, we want to start with is a construction zone. Anytime you walk into a construction area, there is a zone that's going on. And by the way, there's a feel, there's an atmosphere, there's even maybe some guidelines, expectations on how it's done. If you were to walk into a, a business uh, you walk in, and I'll tell you, you will feel how things work here. You will see some things in that. And by the way, we just had a little while ago a conversation with a, a younger couple that's been coming here recently, and they said, uh, we walked in the doors, and before talking with anyone, we just knew this was the place. 
Uh, you can feel it. And Karen and I, in our past, having visited churches, you walk in and you can just... I remember one church, we walked in, walked in the front door, and we, re- we looked at each other and it was like, we want to walk out, but they grabbed us. Um, anyway, that's the way it goes. So, there's, so let me talk about this. There, there's, there's a fertile bed that goes on, and you need to understand these four items are critical, all right? Number one, a home, a construction zone home, needs to have lots of love. Lots of love. By the way, I forgot to mention, uh, you follow through in your notes. I have what we're going to be putting up on the screen. We have copies. I'm not going to give them out to you now. That's not one of those things like an annoying teacher uh, in that. But I want for you to follow the process. But we have these you can take and uh, with these. But take notes and the two of those together fit. So here's the pictorial and, and then you'll have the notes along. So first, lots of love. Your home needs to be a loving home, a biblical, loving home. Your kids need to understand you are genuine, you are sincere, that they are not a mechanical device in your structure of ease and comfort to make it through life. They need to know that you are there for them. And friends, too many homes their children don't understand clearly that their parent or parents love them, okay? They will, we'll see on some of these other things here, but they love them genuinely. There needs to be grace filled in it, and a home needs to overflow with love. And by the way, we're not saying that you have to be an ooey-gooey person, Okay, and overflowing is just the flowery talk. Listen, you can be a very kind of uh, 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 not emotional person, and you know when people love you. Okay, a home needs to be filled with that. I think along with the love, <clears throat> it needs your home needs to be a safe place where your kids know they can fail, they can express things that um, they may be wouldn't be able to express other places because your home is a loving place. It's a warm place. It's a welcoming place. Um, the second thing, though, that we need is your home has to be a place where you spend a lot of time together, um, quality time and quantity time. Um, but let me just put this little bug in your ear. Kids don't understand quality time. You know, we think, oh, well, I spent 15 minutes with them today, and it was a really good conversation so just be careful that you don't, that you neglect quantity of time. Be with your kids as much <clears throat> as you can. And I don't want to put any guilt on you if you work outside the home or, or anything like that. But, but just know that they love to be with mom and dad. And you want to foster a relationship with them. And that takes time, quantity, and quality. Third thing. And this is, I'm just going to tell you, this is big for me. There needs to be lots of fun in your home, a lot of fun. I mean a lot of fun. You mean a lot of fun? A lot. <laughs> Kids love fun. And by the way, I, if you have high schoolers, or I'll even say if you're an empty nester, when they come back and are with you, you need to be fun people. Parents, you know, we, we kind of talk about the, it's hard. Okay, it is. But have fun. Make it really a fun place for them. Uh, they, they thrive in that. Have laughter and games and fun experiences and exploration. Build things, make things, blow things up, create things, sew things, paint things. Oh, I, just growing up in my home uh, with my dad, my dad was amazing at that. Had a blast growing up. My friends wanted to be at my home because of how our uh, life was. And you want that. Your home needs to be a fun place to be. And if you're a not a fun person to be around, I'm just going to lovingly say, get fun. Okay? Because we want to be around those yeah, kinds of be people. Be silly and goofy. Absolutely. And- Tell as many knock-knock jokes as you can until you're blue in the face. And <laughs> yeah. 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 
I remember Luke had this one joke, and I still, still know, don't, don't know what this joke was. Still I can't even tell it. you, but he thought it was the most hilarious joke. So we just laughed every time he told it. Over and he'd and want to tell it again and, and again and again. I'm and like, so I don't, let him tell I don't it again. understand it. But anyway. Still never understood it. We should ask him about that. I don't know. Anyway, so the last thing is um, all of parenting, all of life we know needs to be bathed in prayer. Um, because parenting your kids for God's glory is going to be impossible if you are not praying, if you are not on your knees praying for yourself, praying for your children, praying for your home, praying for their friends. I mean, you know, we could just go on and on about all that we need to pray about. And, and with that, if I can, I can say, <coughs> and, and then you pick up with mm-hmm. your, your mm-hmm. example, Karen's going to kind of give an example of prayer that is kind of in a, a different kind of way. But can I also say this? I'm talking about in the constant prayer of, oh, God, help me right now because I, I'm, 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 I don't I'm know what to, to do. I don't it. know what to think or I'm about to blow up. Oh, God, help me right now. What, what's going on, God? What's going on in their heart? What's, listen, all that can happen in, in nanoseconds. Yeah. And, and that's bringing it around. And no, that's prayer. That's working this out with the Lord. Well, and even praying with your children in, in all situations, you know, maybe you're all just having a really bad day, which happens. Okay, kids, let's sit down and pray. Let's pray about this, you know, or whatever the situations they're going into, pray with them, um, pray for them privately, but then pray with them. So, you know, there's seasons when, when your prayers are going to be more intense. And there was one point in Emily's life where she was just really, really struggling. And, um, she would go to school, and I would kneel by her bed every morning and just plead for her heart with the Lord. And you may have, you may have a season of that that lasts for five years. I don't know, maybe for their whole life. But get, get in their room, get by their bed, hold their things, pray for your children's hearts. Amen. Well, before hitting the tools, um, I want to pause here. Because with what we're about to move into is mechanics in some ways. And I don't want to move out of what we just talked on those four things too quickly. And I just want to ask you, what right now, as you look at that, do you think, I, we are doing really well? We're, praise the Lord, we're doing well with that. Okay, all this is for God's glory. Um, but what's one or two of those that you're like doing that really well? What's one that it's like, need to get better at that? Need to get better at that. I just want to give you a minute to think about it, okay? As you're pondering that, just begin thinking through, oh God, would you help me with this one? God, thank you for allowing me, us, to be able to do that one. Thank you that we're seeing growth in us in that area, okay? All of this is worship. All of this is worship. Lots of love. Lots of time. And as Karen said, be very careful. Don't justify quality with, or quantity with quality, but at the same time, I know, and Karen was able to stay home, and uh, she stayed home. She had a lot more time with the kids than I did, and so in that world, it was the idea, though, of uh, when we're home, we're home, and yet we had things at church we were serving in and doing and other kinds of things, and yet I just wanted the kids, even in my work situation, to be able to know that when I'm here, Dad's here, okay, um, engaged in it. Uh, lots of fun, lots of fun, lots of prayer. Lord, I pray that you would help us in these areas, and I just pray that these would be kind of the, uh, the fertile bed items that are put in the soil of our home and are, are constantly ebbing and flowing, and, and, and they, these are uh, tilling the soil of our children in our home, in their hearts, and our hearts. And um, Lord, thank you that you are a loving God. 
Lord, thank you that you are a God who uh, makes your time available to us. I don't think we think about this enough, but thank you for being a fun God. I mean, just look around. The creativity of what you have made is astounding. It's laughable. It's so amazing. From the vastness of the galaxies to the minuteness of atoms. You are crazy fun. God, just thank you for who you are. I would just pray that uh, these families would be working on these things. They don't necessarily come natural, but we would purpose ourselves to till them into our homes. In Christ's name we pray, amen. We'll open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6, Ephesians chapter 6. So after uh, this construction zone, let's talk about a couple tool sets that we have, a couple tool sets. Uh, we'll often say there's two tools in a parent's toolbox, but understand that uh, it's really kind of in that illustration. It's more there's two, two components of your toolbox, all right? It's like you pull open one side and then another side. We're going to talk about these here. And tool set number one is the correction, is correction. Let's uh, read Ephesians 6. I'll read aloud here. I'll start in verse 1. Children, this is their task. Obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, Um, And and there's a uniqueness to that. And and dads, I I would say this, that our neck is first on the chopping block. It doesn't mean that that fathers are more responsible for the home than a mom, but there is a uniqueness in it. Both are going to stand before the Lord and give an account for our parenting. But uh, when God came calling for Adam and Eve, God called Adam first. And those are the moments where you wish you were Eve. (laughs) in it. And so here it's just talking with us. Fathers, we have unique responsibility. Our heads are on the chopping block first. Uh, Fathers, mothers, do not provoke your children to anger. Uh, Do not exasperate them. Uh, Some of the texts talk about, but bring them up. That's what we were talking about last night. Parenting is an ongoing, present active indicative, continuous, moving along for a season, leave, cleave, weave, temporary, permanent, temporary, bringing them up, and here we have, uh, I have the English Standard Version, in the discipline and instruction of what? Of the Lord. Understand this, and what we're about to talk about, we're about to talk about correction and instruction. Correction and instruction are of the Lord. They are of the Lord kind of correction, of the Lord kind of instruction. It's honestly, it's not your correction, your instruction. It's to be bathed of the Lord kind of stuff. That's what we're shooting for. So we could even say this. It doesn't matter what your correction experience was growing up. The parts that are of the Lord, fantastic. The parts that are not, bag it. Okay, in that you have the opportunity to start over with the net. You are the next link in the chain of generations with it. So let's talk about this. The tools of correction. Uh, the word here is nuthasia. It's the core idea of instruction that corrects. It's hard to find a word to use here because I, I don't like using the word discipline because it just sounds like it's corrective action. But the word has more meaning than that. The word carries this idea of, of, of I'll use the term, loving limits. It, it, it's provide, it's moving them. It's instruction, but it's not just instruction. It's instruction that has a, a movement to it, a correcting reality to it. It's the side of this that it, it, it's instruction that has walls, fences, but it also has a little bit of bite to it. Why? Because our created by God children are also cursed by sin. And that's why last night is so important. Why are we correcting? We're not correcting because you're annoying me. We are correcting because we are raising them up in the Lord, understanding the heart and what's going on and trying to equip them to make a decision for Christ and live for Christ. 
We're trying to bring them towards. So it's the idea of uh, uh, instruction that also contains action. By the way, it's an imperative verb that means that you must. And I'll just say this, if you're one who's like, man, I just don't like, you know, I'll tell you, I'm a cheerleader type of a person. I'm an encourager person. I I don't like bringing the hammer down. Oh, let's just go get Dairy Queen (laughs) type of thing in that. I don't enjoy that, but at the same time, this is part of it because this is God's word and what it says. It's not a suggestion. It's a you must action. Uh, You do not fight a war zone with flowers, cookies, and chocolate. And this is the deal. We live in a war zone of redemptive history, and there is a war going on in your child's heart. And you don't fight that with chocolates only. Okay? It's a war. And there are times when you see the war more than others, right? It's like, we're at war right now, aren't we? (laughs) Yes in some uh, time. So biblical correction is of the Lord. Understand it this way. You might want to say it's redemptive correction. It's redemptive correction. It has a a purpose to it. It's moving to someone. It's of the Lord. It's moving towards this kind of a thing. It's loving limits. It's establishing and sustaining loving limits in it. By the way, do you know that God put... Uh, loving limits before sin ever came into the picture in the garden with Adam and Eve? Remember, God said, you can do all this, but not that. That was a loving limit there. God said, "Just just don't go there in that whole thing. Even before sin came in the picture, the Lord established that in creation. And uh, the Lord does it both before sin and after sin uh, in that. Uh, with Adam and Eve. Uh, okay, three things about uh, uh, correction of the Lord. I'm going to turn it this way. Biblical correction or loving limits are definable. They're definable. In other words, kids know the limits. Kids know the limits. One of the most exasperating things for a child is in this thing of, I, I didn't know that. So, so that's how we do it? It really would have been nice if you could have given me a post-it note that we knew that that is a limit here. And what happens sometimes is this is parenting that's making it up as we go. And there's a component of that. But part of it is, is understanding in it is this, do, do our, does our child understand this? Uh, it's not hit or miss. Uh, kind of making up. That, that's such a frustrating... Listen, you, you know in your job... When you're working for someone that it's like, well, that just came out of left field. Like, why didn't anyone tell me that we're not supposed to do that? It's frustrating, and the text talks about it's exasperating. We don't want to be that. We want to do everything we can to help our child, children succeed, right? And one of those is helping them understand what the limits are. And if you haven't communicated those, then it's time to begin grouping together and going, what are the limits? And by the way, they move as time goes along. Uh, We'll see that in just a second. They have loving limits are definable. Second, loving limits are reasonable. They're reasonable. Uh, We would joke sometimes about, you'd see uh, like, a parent in Walmart. Now, there's the perfect parenting zone. And parent at Walmart, and they would go, if you don't stop that, we're never coming back here again. Or, I'm going to leave you here. (laughs) Really? And then they go, good. And you're like, now what do I do? Right? And I just, it, it's, listen, it's reasonable. And I understand that there are times where you look at yourself and you go, that is so unreasonable. Even to expect them. By the way, we'll see in the chart here as we move, but I'll just say this one of the big moments for me was understanding that Luke is two years older than Emily. I was expecting both of them at a point to be at the same level of understanding, comprehension, and capability. And I had failed in that for a period of time and was exasperating Emily, thinking she was at the same place Luke was. And uh, uh, it's 
loving limits are reasonable. And then third, and Karen will build on this, loving limits are useful. They're useful. They're useful for accomplishing objectives. Yeah, several years ago, I remember reading an article about um, a school district in the 70s, 1970s. 1970s were a weird time for education. There was all sorts of experimental. That was, that was Yeah, that was when we were in it. But, um, but so this school district decided that the fence around the playground was too constrictive, too restrictive. The children needed to explore. They needed to be free. So they removed the fence around the, the playground at the school. So what do you think the kids did? They huddled in the middle of the playground and didn't play. They were terrified. There was no limit. They, there was... There was no safety. There is freedom and um, comfort and safety for your children when they know what the limits are. Same for us, right? When we know what God expects of us, there's freedom, and we can live in that zone. So, and yet, with that illustration, yeah. if that fence is so tight... Right. Yeah. That it's like, come on, I want to play football in a 10-foot square. What's with that? Okay, and the right. fences can be so tight that it's, it's exasperating. Yeah. Yep, yep. So limits are great. They establish order. They, children need to know what's expected, what their parameters are, what they can and cannot do. So they're, they're great for establishing order and for protecting, right? Um, when they know what they can do and can't do, that protects them. Um, and use and limits, loving limits are good too because um, they help the children prepare for what's ahead. Like when when we would go to the grocery store with the kids and they were in the car, we would go over the rules. This is how we act in the grocery store. We stay in the cart, we don't take things off the shelf, and we don't whine when we go to the checkout. What do we do when we go to the grocery store? And they would repeat it back to me. So limits prepare them. You have to prepare your children for where they're going, to church, to school, to the grocery, to grandma's, to the park, wherever. Let them know what the limits are for that situation and prepare them for that. And then loving limits, of course, they expose our hearts. They expose our children's hearts when we see, okay, you know, you have that child who this is the line and they're... (laughs) You know, how close can my toes over, but not everything's over. So they lean into the fence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're gonna electrify the fence. That's right, that's right. (laughs) That's right. So but but you know, that's a good thing because then that shows us their heart, right? And we can see what's going on in their heart. How do I need to correct that? How do I need to point them to the Savior and show them that you know what, honey, that's sinful. And that's why Jesus came, because he loves you. And he wants to take care of that sin for you. You need to come to Jesus. You know, you can talk like that with them. And then um, limits are good for teaching. And um, they teach all sorts of things. They teach consequences and choices. When you make this choice, when you choose to go over that limit, here's what's going to happen. When you choose to stay in that limit, here's what's going to happen. They're just really good Um, for so many things. Kids love limits. They want to know what's expected, and they will thrive in that. I think Doug touched on it. The most exasperating thing for your child is to not have any clue what they're supposed to do and what they're not supposed to do. And they will always push it. And they will. And part of that is coming to realize where the fence is, because the fence is invisible. In our situation. And when they're one, the fence is going to be here, right? (laughs) The fence is going to be real tight when they're one, and then it can start to expand as they get older and they build trust and responsibility. Now, note a couple things, and why don't you you start go ahead and handing that sheet out. Okay. Yeah, could you also, babe, why don't um, don't go ahead and, while people are passing that, we'll give that one as well. Um, just a couple things as you see on the graph here. Number one, note it decreases over the years. What we have here is from zero years to, say, 18, somewhere around there. They're, while they're in your home, the correction is decreasing down. It's, uh, ideally, it's less of that. The fact is, in the early years, it's kind of like, okay, we're, we're here, we're having fun. It's a bit of dog training. No, sit, 
stop, stay, right? I mean, you don't have a whole lot of conversation about it. And sometimes in watching parents where they're talking with, you know, a one-year-old and they're trying to have this, let's talk this through, and their eyes are already somewhere else, right? I mean, they are the squirrel that's just moment to moment to the shiny object and thing. And all we're doing in that is, is the correction, and understand, we're, we're not talking about, you know, even here, the, the physical kind of correction, you know, the slap on the hand or the type of thing like that. We're just talking, the, the, what are the loving limits for them? There's just a lot of it, right? Those of you who have little ones, is that not the case? You're just trying to get through the day with everybody alive, okay? And, and, and you're just managing a herd of cats, at that moment. But know this, know this, even when they are young and you can't have the conversation, it is about their heart. You, in the early years, are kind of uh, 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 putting lots of correction around the younger they are, but especially in the early years, you are bringing in this aspect of you are training yourself in the process. In fact, uh, here in just a second, I'm going to have Karen, and why don't I start here, Karen, then you can fill in uh, um, with that. In the early years of, uh, you know what, we're going to wait for that till later, okay? I'll wait till that example later. Okay, so it decreases, and then later on, it's less and less and less of that. Why is that? You'll see here in just a minute why that is. Note this along with it. Not only does it decrease, but that implies it changes, it changes. <clears throat> you need to scale, move, proportion your corrective loving limits as time goes on. And every so often, you kind of have to pause and grab a hold of yourself and go, wait a second, wait a second. He's not four years old anymore. He's six. And it's different. If your correction line is straight across... Like, like the, the parent who uses spanking for everything, or a timeout for everything, or the we're going to take away your chocolate every time. Listen, that's, I'm just saying that's not creative correction. Okay, that's exasperating. Because your correction even has to fit with the offenses that are going on. In fact, Karen just handed out. Uh, a, a sheet. I'm not, we're not going to spend the time on this. We're just going to buzz through it. You can look at it. That's a, I realize it's pretty small font there, but that's what you got <laughs> here in this. And, and we can just touch on uh, eight traits of unbiblical correction and excessive control, uh, uncontrollable anger, uh, correction for convenience, a correction in fear, and you can see these were notes for us, but we just aren't going to have the time to go through in detail. Correction that ne- neglects timely correction. By the way, that's Eli in uh, 1 Samuel with his sons as a narrative example. And then in uh, um, uh, Ecclesiastes there, it makes that exact statement. And then six, correction that is unclear and inconsistent. Uh, a one-tool correction. I just made references to that. They need to match the offense uh, with, with what's going on. Number eight, uh, correction without instruction. There should always be instruction with correction. When it's just like some kind of correction action, the, the kid needs to have some, some way to, 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 to understand what's taking on. Don't assume they know. There are times that they know but it doesn't mean don't preach, don't get into a sermon with them, don't go through the whole thing, but there is always instruction that goes along with correction, okay? Karen, you those... Yeah, and there's uh, seven situations when not to bring correction. Is that in their notes? Yes. Okay, so the first one is when they're just being childish. I mean, sometimes a two-year-old is a two-year-old. Now, I'm not talking about and they throw a tantrum, and that's okay. <laughs> but they're just being a child. And, and one time I was um, out at a park, and I ran into a, an older friend of mine, and her grown daughter and little daughter was with her. Does that make sense? So it was grandma, daughter, and then the little two-year-old. And I had never met this little two-year-old before. And I just, you know, hi, how are you? And, of course, she's like, well, I don't know who this weird woman is. And she, you know, didn't respond at all. 
And I didn't think anything of it. But then the mom was like, she said hi to you. You need to speak to her. You need to say hello to her. You need to look her in the eye and you need to say hello. Well, then the little girl, of course, was even more, oh, I'm not going to talk to this lady. And um, so the mom ended up spanking her, taking her into the, the, because she thought this was an obedience issue. And I thought, gosh, she's just being too. I mean, your whole life you've told her, don't talk to strangers, right? And then here's the strange woman saying hello to her. And what she needed at that point, what that little two-year-old, what I thought she needed, was just instruction and um, teaching and training. You know, for that mom, we used to play games at home where I would pretend I was, you know, a, a, a nice stranger, you know, lady at church. And I would, and we would, Hi, how are you? And we would practice meeting people. We would, you know, do things like that, play games with the kids. So that's childishness, you know, be real careful. I, I don't know if the lady was embarrassed, but sometimes, you know, we can uh, discipline when we're embarrassed, right? She better speak to this woman. Anyway, so for childishness. Um, for lack of ability, sometimes you just, you've never taught your, your kids how to do the thing that you've told them to do, and they don't do it well, and then you discipline them for that. So really be careful about that. Um, every... And ability can be different from child to child when you have That's multiple true. children. And mm-hmm. it's like, well, Johnny was able to do that at mm-hmm. your age. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, each yeah. child is different. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's the first time for them to do everything, right? They've, they've, they've never gone to church before. And, and, and little kids, they're like brains erased. So even though they have gone to church before, to them, it's the first time they've been at church before. So you just got to keep that in mind. Um, and for accidents, you know, things are going to get broken accidentally. Milk is going to get spilt. You know, things are going to happen. And so we don't want to discipline for that. We teach, we correct, we have them clean it up, you know, we do things like that, but we don't discipline. And then if they don't have complete information, and yet you're expecting them to do something, then don't correct them for that. And you can see that others out of anger uh, when you're in public. If, if they're really having a meltdown and you really need to take care of this, take them to the car, take them to the restroom, get out of public. You don't want to humiliate them. Your, your goal is to train and teach and discipline, and and shepherd their heart. And doing that in a public place is just not a good idea. Um, and then for grandparents, um, we're learning this. We, you know, I'm not Lou, or William and and Matthew's mom. And, and so Max and Max, but he's only like six weeks old. But um, <laughs> so I can't. I'm not the disciplinarian there, right? So when I'm with all of them. You know, it's like, well, what does your mommy want you to do? Would mommy, is this okay? Let's ask mommy. And just really deflect to the parent and, uh, and those things. So what we really, so those situations, and, and what they, part, yeah. part of that is because what grandparents, just a note to you or when you get to that point, because part of what's going on is you don't want to confuse the child. You want the child to understand who is the center of their authority life and it's their mom, it's their dad. And when you're with us, while it's, you know, we're, we are who we are, it's not, we want to support what they're doing. Right. Even if there are some things where we're like, you know what, it's, it's already been that way a little bit, where it's like, that's interesting, we didn't do that when we were raising you. I mean, that's not the Helmer way, <laughs> you know, and it's like, no, okay, okay. It's, it's new life, and, and you have it, family. and we're going to seek to respect that and support you in it, even if it's different maybe than what we might have done. So I think, you know, for a lot of those situations when not to bring correction, what you need to bring is instruction and training. And then once you understand that they really know how to do the thing, then later you can bring discipline if they don't do the thing correctly or whatever. Yeah. If I can kind of interject one thing here just as we're talking and I'm hearing ourselves in this. I want for you to understand Karen and I are coming from now 25 years after having kids. 29, baby. Okay. And, um, <laughs> and in that, so much of what we were involved with doing is coming out here. And I want for you to understand that it is a process development for you. What we're saying today, we did not have all together 20 years ago or 25 years ago. We were working it out. And uh, with correction... This is something that you work out. 
you need to develop and morph out and figure out. But I will tell you this, and I, I hope I say this in humility. The one thing, by God's grace, that we had was, I would say, we were learners. We wanted to learn, and we wanted, and we conversed about it, and we talked about it, and we were purposed about it. Read a lot of books. We, we did. We, we put a lot of effort into our parenting with the kids. It was a key top item thing. Because, by the way, when your kids leave home, they're still a part of your life. And they're, they're something that you want to look back and you want to go, you know, we didn't do it perfect, but we put it in. And correction, you can see what, it, what we're trying to get across is work this out. Uh, develop it out. Form it out. And, and, and it will move and change and look differently as the years go by because your children are different and life changes with that. By the way, I handed out this Luke 2.52 that was really from last night, and I'm gonna, and this is what reminded me of it. Uh, one of the things back in the days when we were doing some teaching in, in another ministry, it was the type of thing I could see in people where they're like, but how? And, and, and here, this was one thing where I just put together an example to where you can move your children along in a purpose-consistent way where you don't feel like you have 20 things overlaying you as you're doing it. And it was like one thing a week. This is the thing we're working on right now for this week or for this month. Spiritually, this is what it is, this is what it is, this is what it is, this is what it is. And you can be very purposed and very simple in all of that. And by the way, your correction should not be complex. It should be understandable for your child and all the things we've talked about so far. Here, let me uh, uh, finish out this section with this. Harry Emerson, he said, No horse gets anywhere until harnessed. No steam or gas ever drives anything until it is confined. No Niagara is ever turned into light and power until it is tunneled. No life ever goes, grows great until it is focused, dedicated, and disciplined. And when they're one, two, three, whatever years old, this is what we're trying to do. And by the way, you can think of that. That's kind of what correction does. It's taking who they are and it's harnessing them. It's channeling them. It's funneling them. It's directing them towards a very wonderful use. By the way, I could also say it this way. Unbiblical discipline results in an untrained horse. Unbiblical discipline uh, provokes the steam and it leads to explosions. Un uh, unbiblical discipline is Niagara ravage bringing great floods of destruction. A life of disciplined, un I'm sorry, a life undisciplined uh, uh, forms angry kids. And that's what we're trying to do. Children with hearts that are bent towards sin. And we're trying to direct them. And that's where this correction comes in, okay? So, correction. So, sum up. Lots of fun, lots of love, lots of time, lots of prayer, and correction. It's, it's definable, it's reasonable, it's useful. Um, and then let's transition to the next set of tools, okay? So, correction, loving limits are the first set of tools, by the way, you do not have one tool in that section of your toolbox. Uh, your correction should be creative and to them. The idea of most, most correction is it, uh, it, uh, they feel it. And, and what I mean by that is sometimes you can do something in your correction and they're kind of like, awesome, I get to go to my bedroom and be alone. Sweet! And it's like, no, there's not much correction in that. You need to find what matters to them, and it's different from child to child with that, okay? So now, instruction of the Lord, and this is what I love, not because I'm a preacher, <laughs> but I love this because I think this was the funnest thing with the kids. So tool set number two, turn to Deuteronomy chapter six, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy six. Tremendous passage here. I can find it. Got it. I got it. Deuteronomy 6. Let me read verses 1 through 6 for us. Now, this is the commandment, 
statutes and rules that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you. Isn't that interesting? These are the in, this is the information and the guidelines. That's what we just talked about. We're, we talked about guidelines, and now we're in uh, instruction. Um, that you may do them in the land to which you are going over to possess it, that you may, f- may fear the Lord, uh, your God, you and your son and your son's sons, by keeping all his statutes and his commandments, which I have commanded you all the days of your life, and that your days may be long. Hear therefore, O Israel, and be careful to do them, that it may go well with you. Why is God doing this instruction and putting limits? Because he knows that when you function in this realm in this way, it brings him glory and it is good for you. And and that's what we're seeking to do, the same thing. This is ultimately good for the child, uh, that it may go well with you and that you may multiply greatly as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you in a land flowing of milk and honey. Verse 4, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. Okay, here we go. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk about them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise. Like that's a lot, isn't it? That's like morning till night. Verse 8, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand that shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Um, let's talk about this here. Deuteronomy 5, the context, Moses is, is declaring the Ten Commandments to God's people. Deuteronomy 6, it kind of summarizes the goal of life and fear the Lord. Uh, that's like wow and oh my uh, as to the Lord. No, it's love the Lord, verse 5. It's verse 6. It's having a heart of obedience. By the way, that doesn't mean just obeying the guidelines. It means a heart of that. It's kind of the kid who's, you know, you've probably heard it, whose teachers ask him to stand up, and he says, I'm standing up on the outside, but I'm sitting down on the inside. And uh, we don't want that. Uh, a heart of obedience. Um, and, and we want to, verse 7, uh, what biblical instruction of the Lord looks like, it's taught. It's the idea of diligently teaching. It, that means it's strategic and it's purposed, okay? Diligent means that we are purposely and strategically working with our child, working with our t- children to teach them of the Lord and about the Lord and what the Lord says. It's not just random. I mean, that's part of it, but it's not just like uh, uh, unplanned. It's this idea of being diligent at something means that you're really working at doing. Teach them. Be diligent to teach them. It also says, verse 7, talk with them everywhere all the time. Doing it together. Verse 8, it says, bind them, God's word. uh, Think of it this way in modern day terms. Tattoo it. It's the idea of tattoo it on your hands, tattoo it on your forehead. So it's there all the time, always remembering, always remembering who the Lord is and what the Lord has taught. Verse 9, write and post them. them, Post them up on the house kind of a thing. Uh, with that. It's that idea of what's going on here is, here, uh, I've put you in this land. I want you to love me, obey me, and and it will be good for you that way. And and then, by the way, our conversation is all the time, all the time, all the time with that. Uh, um, So, uh, Karen, what uh, are a couple things here um, that that are not an instruction formula? Because sometimes we think of it, it's like, yeah, this, this is a lifestyle, right? Yeah. I mean, if we are, if our whole life as parents is, is focused on loving the Lord and delighting in him and knowing his truth and living out his truth, it should just come out all the time naturally, right? So it's not just, well, we had family devotions and we closed the Bible and we never talk about it again. It's not, well, we went to church, you know, it's the church's responsibility to teach my children about the Lord and then we don't talk about it at home. It's not, you know, just reading the Christmas story. Well, now they know who Jesus is. This is all the time as a lifestyle, and it should just, 
as you practice this, as you are more uh, loving of the Lord and, and following him, that can't help but ooze out of you. And so as you're with your children, it's going to ooze yeah, out all the time. And in that, I go back to last Sunday, it's like a Noah thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, you are doing it all the time. It's part of life. It's where you go. It's who you are. If you're getting to where it's like all of a sudden you begin to have like a conversation about God and like the whole atmosphere in the room changes, I just want to say this. Like this is strange. There, there's a problem there. It's kind of like when dad says, I remember this going back to my childhood, dad would say, okay, family meeting in the living room. I remember it was always like, oh, crud. (laughs) This is not going to be good. Uh, And that just had that context. It was usually a problem. And yet in it, it's kind of like with Noah. It's day in, day out, over days, over weeks, over months, over time of that whole thing. And so that means that all of life is a pool of opportunity to teach. All of life is a sacred moment, right? There's not, well, now now we're doing Bible something and now we're doing real life. It's, it's all the same. No, no separation between our time with the Lord and normal life because all of our time is with the Lord. Absolutely. And, and so like, uh, by the way, uh, um, that's when we talked about with uh, just whether young, middle, or teens, What's going on in life, you should always be working to be thinking, okay, what's the opportunity here to teach? By the way, not like pull out the Bible and even have a formal Sunday school class time. Okay, now dad's going to teach or this is mom's number 222 sermon. Here we go again. Everybody sit back, fold your arms and roll your eyes back. It should be engaging and fun. It's the kind of thing driving down the road. We're coming up to fall here, and you're driving down the road, and the trees are just gorgeous when they turn color. And it's like, is this not crazy? I wonder how all that happens. And isn't that so cool how God created everything with this? And it becomes normal life rather than what Karen's saying. There is not sacred time and then other time. It is all sacred And it is all a fertile ground for it. So let's talk a little bit more about this teaching because we've got four ways of teaching here. First, there's formal instruction, formal instruction. That's kind of what we're in many ways doing right now in kind of a formalized format. Uh, We see some formalized instruction in Proverbs with a dad to his son. We see a Jesus doing this at times with teaching the twelve. We uh, uh, see in things it can be like a family devotion. It can be a post-Sunday school, uh, Sunday at church time conversation where it's something we do on an, on an ongoing, regular basis. It could be in a special parent date time where like dad with a son or mom with a daughter, dad with a daughter kind of a thing where it's not just having fun but, me and, but it's also about having some spiritual conversation together in that, in, in, a, in a planned kind of a way. Uh, by the way, formal instruction requires good timing. Um, you may be ready, but they may not. And uh, it's a good timing. It requires good topics, topics that fit. Uh, too often, by the way, I'll just say, too often we're instructing at the moment or after an event. Preempt things. Preempt discussions. Preempt issues. You know, the whole thing's like with the, 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 the whole uh, sex and dating and relationships with that. Uh, um, man, preempt that. I mean, don't wait till the locker room conversation. Preempt that. You be the source of that conversation, driving them, moving them, and getting them to think. And so uh, formal times are ti- good timing. They're good topics. They're creative. Have a blast with them. Have a blessed, have your kids love learning about the Lord and be creative and it, uh, use scripture, open your Bible and use that in formal times. And by the way, good formal instruction requires good questions. Questions that don't answer Jesus or God only. Questions that are not just yes or no, but questions that draw them and cause them to think and process and sometimes the best kind of, quote, planned teaching ends with everybody wondering what the answer is and let it just sit and let them think. 
and let them process. Oh, I, I so miss. Oh, I'm going to cry. I so miss the moments as our little kids were little and watching the wheels turning in their head. I loved that. And there were times where it's like, stop, Doug, like right now. Stop, Doug, and just let them turn. You know? And... So there's formal instruction and then informal instruction. That's just as you're going through your day, right? There are so many uh, opportunities to teach about the Lord just in normal life, in normal conversation. Um, and I love the asking good questions, you know, as you're, as you're driving down the road or they read a book or you watch a TV show or something happens, ask questions about what's happening in their life. Um, you know, some situation at school, whatever. Embrace those settings, those circumstances that they're in. Maybe if they're in a in a crisis time, as your kids get older, ask them questions about it. Don't be don't be the Bible answer mom or the Bible answer dad, right? Get them thinking. Part of our getting them ready to leave home, equipped to handle life biblically, is equipping them to think biblically. If we constantly give the answers to everything, they're not going to have those little wheels churning moments, and they're not going to learn to think, and then they're going to get on their own, and they're, they're going to be high and dry without that skill of learning, oh, I wonder what the Bible says about this, or I wonder what God would think about that. And um, Yeah, so don't preach at them. Let your kids have different opinions than you, which is hard to do. But let that happen. Let the Lord be the one who speaks to them and who changes their heart and who changes their thinking. Now, you can ask good questions. You can tell them what you think. You can even show them from Scripture. But don't freak out if they have a different opinion than you um, because God will help them. And as you're still shepherding their hearts while they're still in your home, you still have opportunities. So, and allow for pushback. Allow them to say, well, I don't, I don't agree with that. I don't think that's right. And don't freak out about that, okay? It'll be okay. That's a teaching opportunity again. That's an opportunity to get on your knees and pray or whatever, whatever that calls for. Um, shepherd their heart in that. Um, yeah, allow for those unanswered questions and let questions just hang out there for a while. And then that'll give you the opportunity like in another couple days to say, hey, remember when we were talking about that thing? Have you given that any more thought? Have you thought about this? Or, you know, I found a verse that I think kind of applies to what we were talking about. Can I share it with you? And and this is, of course, for you know, a little bit older kids. But um, yeah, all, a lot of informal a lot of informal things. And then uh, the third thing, so we got formal instruction, informal instruction, and creative instruction. And uh, man, you can, I mean, the world is your oyster on that. You can just be creative about anything, building something together, make a garden together, and talk about perseverance, and talk about how the Lord does, you know, I mean, there's so, so many ways. Um, we used to have this game called Sticky Situations, and... Um, I think Focus on the Family put it out and had these little cards with sticky situations. And then there on the back of it, there were like four multiple choice, how, should you how could you respond to this situation? And it was just really a great conversation starter and thinking that through. And um, I'm not the most creative person, so I found these books, and this looks really ominous, but um, it's not. This one is, is for girls. It's called Polished Cornerstones. And this one's for boys called Plants Grown Up. And they're full of creative ideas. So if you're lacking in creativity, I mean, look how big this is. You will not lack if you want to borrow these. But um, there's, there's so many resources that you can go to to help foster that creativity in and yourself. I, actually, I think in that, there's a good point from this standpoint. I think for Karen and I, the dynamic between the two of us, I would say I'm more the creative person in that, and, and Karen at times would be like, where did you come up with that, or how did that happen? I just think that way, and it's just like, I love using bizarre things and just going places with the kids. And, and by the way, Karen was just so much better at bringing it all together, <laughs> uh, kind of seeing it happen in, an, in a way that made sense, because I could sometimes almost be so creative 
that it got odd. And Karen, yeah, I know. And Karen would help bring the reality to that. And I think it was fun at times to to partner together using both of our strengths in that and helping each other. Because I saw from her that having consistency, and she was just a master with young children and using charts and using things that were so fun. I never would have done that. I would have been horrible. Our, our, if it was just me, our kids would have grown up having a blast and dumb as a rock. And, uh, but Karen brought that uh, helpful structure of, and fun and joy along with it as well. So the last one here, by example instruction. Okay, and I, we want to finish with that. If you want your kids to grow up in the Lord, you need to be growing up in the Lord. Because I promise you, they know if you are not. Okay? And you can do formal instruction, informal instruction. You can be creative and you can by your own life live in such a way that they know, you know, everything you're expecting of me you need to look in the mirror on that. And who you are and how you live, oh, I would just encourage you to have some sit-down time in front of the mirror and ask yourself, would I want to listen to them? Would I want to follow after them? Is their God really the kind of God that I want to be following? Um, Watch that. Let's finish with this. Um, Let's go to the next slide with the ovals around it. And this is kind of transitioning into your workshops here. I just placed them. I didn't necessarily place them by how the workshops are set up here. But if if we could, I'd like to pull this together by doing this. The first oval there, let's say that's a child that is in the five years old. I'm just going to make that up, four or five years old. Do you see how the correction and instruction is different from when they're one-year-old? See how that changes? I mean, because when they're one-year-old, it, it's, it's doggy training. <laughs> it just is. You're trying to get them to understand that when you say something, they need to listen to you. And, and, and it's that reality, and, and, and don't sit and talk to them a whole lot. They're just not there. They're not all connected. But as time comes along... The ins- really what's going on is the instruction is increasing. Because as your kids get a little bit older, they need to not just be dogs that sit, stay, stop. They need to have the thinking brought into that process. And so the correction, not only does instruction increase, correction decrease kind of as the two come along, but it changes Okay, the correction changes as you move along. Then let's just jump up here. Let's say we're in a, a latter elementary school here. Do you see how that, that's going on? And, and, and it's, listen, if you are the parent that's constantly discipline, 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 I'm telling you, Ephesians 6, you are exasperating your child. It's kind of, I had a friend who, uh, our mentor, he used to say in college, they would go and, and down the hall, uh, the guys would come up behind and flick your ear. And he said, man, you know, it was funny in the beginning, but after a little while, I said, that so exasperated me. It's like, what are you doing? You're just flicking in my ear. And honestly, that's what can happen for us as parents. We're just like, what? You're so frustrating me right now. I don't get where this is moving to. I don't get why you're uh, doing this again and again and again to me. Help me here. And it's oftentimes us as parents pulling back and realizing, wait, I need to change because my child has grown and changed. And then we get towards high school here in those high school times. And and, and I'll tell you, I personally, Karen was far better in the early days. Uh, I just wasn't that good. I'm not saying she wasn't in the latter days, but I'm saying I was kind of, and I think most guys are, it's like when you become a little human, then we're on game, right? And I loved the college years, I, or high school years. I loved those years. You know, we used to tell our kids that, hey, you have our trust until you give us reasons not to. And then it moves into when if they break our trust, it's, it's talking about how they can earn it back. And we're teaching them for life. And by the way, when you're at 18 or getting close to that, you're getting them ready to leave. Okay? And, and sometimes that's hard to think about your girl, your boy at that stage leaving. 
But you have to prepare them because I'm telling you the parenting begins to end. And they have to make a choice. And you need to get in their heads. And it's instruction. And if you're using all kinds of, you know, grounding all the time, 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 all the time. Dude, what's with you if I were a teen? Okay? It's, it's, I remember the first times talking politics with Luke. Oh, that was so cool. It's freaky, but it was really cool. And you get to do that. And then uh, as uh, empty nesters, when they're out of the home, we could say the parenting in what we're talking about really ends. Okay? You need to understand that. Do not... Uh, we love watching Everybody Loves Raymond. And... Uh, Part of it is there's so many lessons of all the wrong things going on, okay? And uh, as empty nesters, the parenting ends. You are always their parent, but the relationship changes. So those of you who are still within the section, we want to encourage you and add anything. We want to encourage you, oh, keep going. Keep going. Finish strong. It's heavy. It's hard. Keep working. Be purposed. Don't just let it happen. Those first five years are so crucial and they're so exhausting. But if you put in the time and the effort um, and the blood, sweat, and tears in those first five years, it really will pay off as they get older. And if you're already past that and you're thinking, oh, I really blew it, you know what? It's okay. God's grace will cover it and just start now with, with where they're at now and, and move on. And lots of love, lots of time, lots of fun, lots of prayer. The reason I put that at the top and it doesn't go down or up, it's just flooded all the time. And by the way, I would even say this, even as empty nesters. It's that, okay? All right? Now, what our objective has been, and Chris, here you finish us here, but what our objective has been is to give you kind of a blueprint, okay, of some thoughts of, of what God says about parenting. He created, he invented it, he's purposed it. It's about raising your kids up to leave home equipped to see and handle life biblically. That's our definition. You may revise it. You may have your own definition. We didn't invent that definition. We stole it. Um, and nothing new under the sun. And so for us, that was so helpful in that. And so understanding the blueprint of it and then carrying it out. In, in many ways, uh, I'm trying to, we're trying to help you realize it's not that complicated. Now, now I get it. It's complicated. But there's a part of it sometimes where literally this is, and we'll, we'll get this passed out here. In fact, let's start passing it out. Um, I think we've got to maybe even, if you want to take an extra one in there, but um, in this, to realize this, this is what you're doing. This is, uh, for us, this is what our house was all about on one page. I'm telling you, that's it. The thing that's the challenge is the thing of doing it and the thing of moving along with it. But it's the Noah building, day in, day out, moving along. And uh, um, um, I, I just tell you, for us, this has been the hope of the simplicity in the complexity. Lots of those things, instruction and correction. That's it. I'm just telling you, it's not that hard <laughs> on a page. It's living that out that becomes, and honestly, I don't even think carrying it out is that hard. I actually think the hard part is us being a parent and parents that purpose to be on the chart, if you will. That's the greater challenge, okay? So from here, um, kind of want to have this, and then in workshops, you can uh, go from there.